The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts and guests of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs broadcasted on this station. If you would like to know more about Valley Free Radio, please visit us at valleyfreeradio.org. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm the host, Michael Dow. With me tonight are Susan Timberlake. Hey there. And Stefan Ward-Wheaton. Yellow. Filling in for George Claxton. George is away uh, helping people with disaster relief in... um, It's a state that begins with M, which totally narrows it down. (laughs) I think he's in the cold area somewhere. Yeah, he's up up north somewhere cold. Good for him. Yeah. Stay safe, George. Yeah, and hopefully you'll be back in the new year. Um, with all your extremities. And uh, we're here to talk about politics, and uh, oh boy. Oh, we are? Oh, Lord. Yeah, I know. I was told there was going to be pizza. <laughs> Real bait and switch, guys. You pay- it starts with a P. There is no punch and pie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we blame Canada? It's a great song. Uh, um, flapping heads with lies. Yes. Okay. Um, right, but let's let's move on <laughs> we before digress. we start getting turning into a musical episode, which I don't think is a good idea because I, for one, do not sing well. Ooh, does genre? Genre sings very well. Oh, but indeed. He doesn't want to be on the mic. <laughs> he's our sound guy. Not tonight. Not to, well. That's why he's good ear because he's yeah. you know. So anyway, before we uh, get into talking about the issues, uh, and before we can get further distracted, <laughs> Stefan, I'm watching you. Um, <laughs> I should mention, you can contact us, and we'd love to hear from you, especially during the show, because then occasionally we get things right, or righter than we did before, and it's nice to get feedback from our listeners. So, you can email us, which is civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org, or uh, on Twitter, it's at civilpoliticsfm. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. And of course, we do have a website, which is quite simply civilpoliticsradio.com. That's got recordings of previous episodes, links to things we talk about, and the occasional odd, I don't know, thing that we write or other thing we do. Um, so that's all good stuff, and we hope you'll uh, contact us and check out our show and so forth. Um, uh, and yeah, we're not doing the fun, we're not doing the pledge drive anymore, but we still you can still send us money. <laughs> still s- send money to Valley Free Radio. Uh, ValleyFreeRadio.org/slash/donate is always a good thing. This is a Nonprofit volunteer radio station that operates on a shoestring. So every, every totally supported by listeners like you. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, or listeners like you with money. <laughs> 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 listeners like you who are willing to share. Very money. important. <laughs> Whoever you are. <laughs> so anyway, um, what a week. <laughs> what a week. So uh, let's start with a thing that's been uh, been bugging me. I think it's been bugging all of us. Is just what an astonishingly Poor choice for uh, tr- poor choices Trump has been making for his upcoming cabinet. President-elect Trump has picked a number, announced a number of choices. Uh, I'm just going to pick the one that just sort of is really just making me crazy. Um, they're all not Linda McMahon, uh, who not Linda <laughs> McMahon, who I don't think is necessarily a great choice for small business ad- uh, administration. I mean, well, she started a business of thirteen and grew it to a multi-million-dollar business. I, I don't think she actually started the business. Yeah, she's the co-founder of WWE. Oh, okay. Yep. 
so yeah, maybe she's okay. Maybe. Um, she knows how to create a spectacle, and so does Trump. Man, those budget <laughs> meetings are going to be a real I'm smackdown. I'm not sure that's actually the most helpful thing. To me, the most, the most really upsetting choice, and there are a number of them. And there may be more. <laughs> and there, may, there probably will be more, but is a fellow named Scott Pruitt to head the Environmental Ag- Protection Agency. He's mm. currently the Attorney General of Oklahoma, or maybe he was former, but anyway, he has served as the Attorney General of Oklahoma. Uh, and he is the beneficiary of a lot of money from the fossil fuel industry. Coke Brothers, right, too, I think. I, yeah. I think, among other things, yeah. yeah. Oh, and also, apparently, he gets a lot of money from beer distributors. Um, well, well, then we shouldn't hold that against him. Well, apparently, so uh, he's distinguished himself uh, in his tenure as a state attorney general uh, for suing the federal government for exceeding its authority because his argument has been that uh, the Environmental Protection Agency should have no authority to regulate pollution because pollution is not an interstate issue. It is purely an issue within a state. Pollution within Oklahoma should be regi- should be. Uh, regulated and dealt with by the state of Oklahoma because what happens in Oklahoma will never, ever have any kind of impact on people in any other state. Of course, he also sued to uh, have the uh, Congress uh, uh, force the legislature of Colorado to uh, repeal their law legalizing marijuana because the marijuana in Colorado was going to cause problems, or he claimed was causing problems in Oklahoma. And, of course, you know, they can't, you know. So acid rain, no, marijuana smoke, yes? Is that right? right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Bernie Sanders, your guy, uh, Stefan. Yeah, he, he came out swinging uh, Yeah, him. he's going to stop yeah. it if Actually, he can. Well, <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question about that. Um, is he claiming that under interstate commerce? Uh, I th- I think he is claiming uh, uh, that uh, the Interstate Commerce Clause doesn't apply to the EPA, but does apply to pot smoke. Because the, um, I mean, devil's advocate here. Uh, the I can see the argument about marijuana. Marijuana being being uh, an actual product and being being uh, being something that is sold that is uh, that it would be affecting so people across lines. But uh, yeah, uh, but um, the environment does doesn't. It isn't an uh, interstate commerce thing. Um, if you have a, fa- a manufacturing plant in Oklahoma and it emits toxic chemicals that get into the atmosphere and then drift into another state and kill people. Yeah, but that's not the commerce clause. And that's yeah. the same argument we have with China. And actually all the radiation right. that just um, came over to Among Washington other things, it can state. be covered by the commerce clause because it is a, fu- a function of commerce. Like, think people are conducting business and look at one of the things that's happening. So Got the, burned, if, man. The yeah. argument would be that... The environment is is essentially a natural function of the world outside of you know the outside of, of human business. activity, right? And so it, it doesn't yeah. matter, and people can't regulate it and whatnot. So uh, you know, and Congress doesn't have a specifically enumerated authority to protect the environment, so therefore it can't claim one. Um, is is the argument, um, or at least one argument? I, I'm not for sure if if Pruitt's specifically making that, but I believe he is. Um, it's certainly an argument that has been made by people who are opposing environmental regulations. But he's he's fought back on the uh, the water clean water act, clean water where, act. The, clean. where they've extended what they cover mm-hmm. and clean, clean air, air act. act. He yeah. also firmly insists that climate change is not real. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, the, the planet is not warming. So so here's something we know about Donald Trump. He's a terrible choice. He invites Al Gore in, so all everybody goes, ooh, okay, he's got Al Gore coming to see him at Trump Tower, and then he appoints well, this guy. Well, actually, Ivanka invited Al Gore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that really speaks to who Donald Trump is. He loves to confound his enemies. Yeah. <laughs> He takes great delight in going. Look over here. <laughs> yeah. Look over here. I, I don't. I except I don't know that anybody was really fooled. It's like, oh, okay, he met with Al Gore. Well, that's interesting. And well, people and were now, hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> well, and now we, and you know, a few days later, it's like, and he's appointing this guy. So it's like, and it means nothing. Okay. Well, he does move on. <laughs> he does seem to have a natural grasp of how to um, sort of surf the news cycle. Create a chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, Fair and, enough. And sort of position himself in terms of the you know the sort of 24 7 uh what's he gonna do tune in next week to see what right (laughs) you'll never guess this crazy it's it's like uh you know one simple trick (laughs) to becoming president and running the country hate him yeah yeah well look at the poor head of south korea that just got impeached yes and um that's a big deal. Yeah, and she, she she's she been had impeached last week. The prime minister of Italy resigned because of that referendum to yeah. amend their constitution so he could uh, rejigger the the Italian Senate just completely blew up in his face. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I was going to say one of her, you know, one of his first conversations was with her. So, you know, everything oh, yeah, with he Pac? touches, yeah, <laughs> with Trump, yeah. Oh. With, yeah. So uh, anyway, I I, Park Sunjan, I think, or something. I think that's somebody no. Park. Park is her, is, her is, last is, name. Is her, is her family name? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, yeah she's well, apparently has uh, 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 turned the uh, the Korean government into sort of like the personal cash register for her quote spiritual advisor end quote. Yeah. Which so apparently about people a puppy or something. I can't remember. People what people apparently was. were unhappy at someone making millions of dollars <laughs> off of. Do you remember Blagojevich? And Rob yes. Lagoyevich. I remember. And, and the quote, I've got this thing, and it's bleeping golden. Well, yes. I'm not <laughs> giving it away for bleeping nothing. That's exactly what I think Trump is saying in in his transition team. You know, this, to, to be yeah. clear, we should uh, Rod Blagojevich, former <laughs> went <to> governor <laughs> of Illinois, who went to jail for auctioning off Barack Obama's former se- uh, Senate seat. Senate seat to huh? attempting to yes, yeah. but he was uh, on wiretap. Yeah, as doing so, so they had him dead. And to Jesse rights. Jackson Jr. went to jail because he was one of the. Yeah, he was trying to buy it. So I, I gotta say, I'm sort of wondering if at some point some foreign government is gonna, uh, you know, as you know, maybe hacking Trump's phone, you know, cell phone conversation is just gonna release audio of him saying like, yeah, all right, you want to be, you want this it's ambassadorship? Bleeping. It's like twenty million bucks. You gotta, you gotta open up uh, the access way for this hotel. I'm gonna do. I want this golf course to be amazing. You know, and instead of whatever. Nixon's twenty missing uh, minutes <laughs> on the tape, it's going to be twenty missing days. Poor Rosemary that took the hit for that, the secretary. Oh, I leaned over this and it, you know, erased part of the tape. Oh, I totally forgotten about her. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I think of Nixon and corruption, I think of little his cute little dog checkers. Oh. Well, it's an interesting time, and you better believe that Donald Trump is using an encrypted phone system. So. Because he's actually, no fool, <laughs> probably provided by. Actually, I, I'm not at all sure I believe that, but I hope it. I, I kind of hope it's true. It will be nice to know that national security yeah. is being conducted, not by the equivalent of like shouting from rooftops, but. <laughs> you know, Obama's been pretty good to him, and the transition legislation that was put in is really helping Trump and all that. Yeah. And I just read today that um, they were supposed to redo the Oval Office uh, to the to, out to the rafters and put in more um, bulletproof 
um, plastic, um, what do you call it, plexiglass, and all mm-hmm. this stuff, and more security and more mm-hmm. shielding. And Obama was supposed to be doing it right now. Yeah. And he's decided not to. He's going to leave it so that Trump won't be able to use the office when he gets. I thought, oh, that's an interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, just mm. just came out. I think it was in the BBC. Well, you know, they always say that there's that letter yeah. that gets passed to you <laughs> the first day that you assume office from the the outgoing president. Well, the, apparently that's a thing that actually happens. Oh no, yeah, it's, I think it's it's yeah. confirmed, but it's like, oh, you know, if, if a copy of that leaks, <laughs> I wonder what it'll say. I'm sure it'll. I'm sure a lot of those conversations are more back channel than something that yeah. would go on a letter, but still. Yeah. Well, I, and I've heard the. Uh, the the great story i think it was supposed to be about khrushchev but it's probably any number of people over the years but you know like he left two letters for his two envelopes for his uh successor and uh like said okay when you get in trouble open the first envelope blame it on me and yeah <laughs> open the envelope it says blame everything on me and he does he says if you ever get in trouble again open the second envelope so yeah. the guy opens the envelope second envelope eventually and it says okay uh get a pen and paper and make up two envelopes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and prepare your resume. Yeah, yeah, I heard that, but it was about IBM, if you worked at IBM. So. Yeah, yeah. But perfect. <laughs> you get two mistakes in politics, maybe. So, uh, what a, I mean, what a list of cabinet members that he's, he's developing. And, um, well, what, is, what, what, what struck you uh, from this list of, well, deplorable choices? Well, I, I put them in a different category. I think they're like Reagan. And I think Reagan was bent on dismantling okay. well, I think parts of the government. I think Trump might be, too. So, Reagan, I'm, I'm a little too young to have clear memories of Reagan, especially Reagan's first term. Well, Watts. Do you remember Watts? I remember James, Watt. James Watts. I remember yeah. the political cartoons depicted him as like this sort of emaciated lunatic like wandering around in like a smock with a chainsaw trying to like destroy everything. Yeah. He's, like sp- he's spreading oil everywhere. Oh, and, and selling he, assets off to the yeah. timber country companies and, and the mineral companies. Acid and, rain wasn't a problem and, and so forth. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that stuff continued after his, you know, escape from the office. I think he got indicted. I forget because a lot of Reagan's folks got indicted. Ann Gorsuch, yeah. I think she ran, or Buford, something I Buford, the I, EPA. I, I remember, like, like apparently quite a number of people in Reagan's cabinet yeah, were and it indicted was a whole, and even convicted. Yeah, and what they were doing was... And this is before, not even counting Iran-Contra. Yeah, <laughs> and they were trying to dismantle the very agencies and slow them down and let business grow. And I mean, it was sort of the same discussion is what we have with trump so so as a republican especially one who was you were active in republican politics in the 80s yeah so what <laughs> I, I mean right we're i mean I'm, I'm just i'm not trying to put you on the spot i'm just no, saying no i was um so what do you, i mean so what do you think of that what did you think of that then what do you think of this now because i mean to me this is like i don't know i was 10 when reagan took office so like i'm not really qualified to have an opinion well i think it's an <laughs> i think it's an approach I yeah. mean, there's. I think there's a twist on this, and it may be the same as Reagan, where not only is he trying to dismantle these agencies, uh-huh. at the same time he's saying he kind of believes climate change, he kind of does this, he kind of doesn't. And, and so it creates this dissonance and chaos around you don't know what's actually going to happen. But Reagan did it because then he was the good guy. Yeah. If, if they didn't dismantle your particular law, it was because you got to Reagan and he overturned his agency head. Huh. So it's good cop, bad cop stuff. So I'm... I'm. You think Trump's doing that too? I do think he's doing that. I think he's done it in his whole career as a, as a manager huh. and executive. That he has people that, you know, this is the good person, that's the bad person, fight it out, see who wins. I think yeah. that is his management style. So while I'm horrified by a lot of these choices, and I'm going to be 
dying to know who's Secretary of State. I do think there's a strategy in it, and it'll be interesting to see how it actually plays out, and we should probably talk maybe in the second half about sort of what do you, what do, you do about it if you care about clean air and clean water and yeah you know because that's what people did with reagan i mean they fought him tooth and nail sued him every two seconds and yeah. i mean that's but, what people did by the way i should mention you're listening to civil politics here on valley free radio so um so uh uh do you th- like, like here's the thing like the head of the epa who's like the counterbalance to that you know, or Jeff Sessions. The environment will just kill us all. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> It'll get the last the word. The final say on yeah. that. Well, all right. So, but Jeff Sessions, uh, the oh. choice to be attorney general. Okay. Yeah. Or, um, you know. What? Actually, I'm looking for one that I um, I have to think about who it was that especially worried me as a as in my personal life. Um, that I would think Jeff Sessions would be one of them. Yeah, not so much. Not the not the attorney general for the feds. Uh, well, what about the uh, uh, incoming uh, national security advisor, uh, whose name I I can't remember right now? Katie McFarland. No, that's the deputy. Uh, uh, Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn. That's who, the one that actually wore. Is he the general? He's, he's the, a general. Well, he's one of several generals Trump has picked. He's not the Marine general. Who's no, the that's Marine? Mad Dog Mattis. Yeah. Now, Mad Dog Mattis worries me. He's head of the Department of Defense. I think is his. Yeah, is his and pick. part of the reason he worries me is the Marines were the one. G- part of the military that really has no does not is not interested in women serving in the marines and still segregates their training mm. and yeah. so i can imagine i imagine that he's going to make that really difficult for for people who are in the service yeah and i could be wrong about that but i think because he comes from the marines and he's a marines marine that he will um sort of push that back on both the army the navy and um so the why Air force uh, well but i mean what, what's wrong with that i mean why do we need all the best available talent if we're you know be, going to be fighting wars i mean why is that important <laughs> <laughs> i just want to make sure women get ahead that's a, you know i'm such a <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 such a specious or whatever you call I am, it <laughs> i i i am ready to accept the reign of our female overladies <laughs> Um, well, so I, I I don't know I guess that one bothers me the most because I think he can do that internally in the in the services without any yeah. there's nobody that can sue him there's nobody that has standing to to change that I think yeah. in that case it's you know there aren't local well I'm 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 worried about also about a national security advisor my understanding is the job of national security advisor is basically to act as like like the guy who reads all the reports and then says, Mr. President, I think these are the intelligence reports that are particularly important. I mean, a lot of people sort of do that, and obviously the president's supposed to make up his own mind. But the national security advisor is specifically supposed to sort of be the head of sort of like a personal like think tank for the president. And, you know, it it doesn't – it's not a good look for some guy whose job it is to sift intelligence and, and, admi- and offer advice if he believes things like Pizzagate. Yeah. And if he believes things like – like they're putting up He's signs in kind Arabic. Of a sucker for yeah to help yeah. <laughs> like help Al Qaeda smuggle people across the border from Mexico. He's or not ISIS. reading civil politics approved news sites. <laughs> yeah. He isn't. <laughs> not that we have any of those yet, but, well, but maybe know, we will someday. Even Trump isn't getting his his daily briefings. Pence is, and Pence is getting all the briefings. So I wouldn't be uh, surprised if Pence is more the point man for all this stuff. Well, oh. that's that was my so sense. Cheney too electric boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, that's too. right. That's, well, that was kind of, and that was the deal that was offered to Kasich before yeah. 
um, when he was offered the position. You could be in charge of everything. Oh, God. Do you think <laughs> Casey turned kick it down? himself? No. He's oh, like, no. let me just stay here in Ohio where things are I think he's biding normal. his time. <laughs> yeah. I think he's, yeah. Yeah, he may run in four years. Who knows? Well, oh, yeah. oh what do you think Kasich is going to do, by the way, about the uh, heartbeat, the fetal heartbeat uh, uh, abortion ban that just got passed in Ohio? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically like after seven weeks, uh, it's illegal to get an abortion because there's supposedly like there'll be a fetal heartbeat. And so, you know, like it's that that's murder at that point. So it's not not cool to do that. And he, of course, really, really is a strident anti-choice activist. So do you think he'll sign it? Probably. And this is where if George were here, he'd tell us which federal district it goes to to know whether right, which um, <laughs> yeah which court which mean? court it yeah. would go to we could bef- look it up yeah. before it goes to the supreme court because if we still have four and four yeah it will it will it will stand at whatever the federal court level was because the yeah. supreme court won't be able to overturn it so yeah well i i, I you it's know a fine mess we've got I ourselves into give <laughs> i i, I sort i still sort of cling to the hope that president obama just just decides the that sixth circuit Sixth, Sixth Circuit. circuit yeah. which, Thanks, Stefan. And do you know, I don't know whether they're liberal or conservative or... Cause well, they're not in the South, so d- that's a good sign Decisions right issued by the Sixth Circuit were re- reversed by the U.S. Supreme Court 24 out of the 25 times they were, <laughs> were reviewed in the five annual terms starting in October 2008 and ending in June 2013. Wow. So they're, a, they're a bit of a dissenting court. Of course, that was a period when the Supreme Court was in transition. Yeah. Um and kind of slowly moving to the left overall. Um, but, yeah, that that will be an interesting one. Yeah, because that's where it'll go. It'll go up to the, yeah. and then it'll go. I, I still cling to the hope that President Obama, as soon as Congress this Congress adjourns, will just fill every court vacancy. There's he's he's, over he, 30 names that are on the floor of the Senate, on ha- a list, that have been cleared. They've cleared committee, yeah. and they haven't voted on them. Right. So I, th- I hope he'll just appoint yeah. them all, because like they'll, they'll serve for at least a year. Yeah. And my guys stood up today and said, you know, you guys, Democrats, really need to cooperate with us and, and put the judges through that we want. And then yeah. one of the Democrats got up with the list and said, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> what about this guys, which has been sitting here for right. the whole term yeah. and yeah. you haven't approved a one of them. It's federal judges. There's it's a Supreme court judge that hasn't <laughs> been approved yet. Yeah. Yeah. Lest we forget. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, president Obama, I think should just recess appointment them all. Yeah. Cause why not? Honestly, that although people, they wouldn't want to do that. Most people in their careers would not want to be, that would they wouldn't want that to be their highest a- attainment. I mean, it is kind of tough on you. It puts Swiss cheese on your resume. Sure, but on the yeah. other hand, uh, it's much harder to say like, oh yeah, this guy shouldn't do the job. He's been doing it well for a year or a year or, a year or two years or whatever. But no, no, we don't want him now. Another uh, point: um, the president asked you to do a job. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say no to that, and mm-hmm. you you serve at the pleasure of the president. So if you if you're appointed to that, then that is going to be a high honor, e- even if it's a recess appointment. Yeah. But for judges, I don't think they leave when the. No, they don't. Judges judges are normally lifetime a, lifetime appointments. Yeah. But I, here here's the thing. I mean, you know, it'd be like, well, this person is, has done this job capably. Why shouldn't they, you know, stay in there? Like it's 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 a it's a tough fight to have. Like, what you know, why are you why do you want to nominate someone else to do the, to fill this vacancy? My that guys are well? playing hardball. They yeah, are not so the Democrats can play hardball too. No, I know, but that is and not I an argument that holds any water if you don't care. 
Uh, <laughs> it's an argument that might play well in the press. Don't know. I mean, the yeah. Democrats could at least try it. Yeah, good point. You know, as a novelty. <laughs> well, you know, I always say I like these guys that know how to use power and you know yeah. beat well, people into submission. And well, there's there's a way to do force use power. their will on them, and you yeah. know, well, I mean, that's using recess appointments is one way to do it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I think I think it's increasingly clear that uh, 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 we're not going to have a responsible president. Uh, filling in after this incredibly responsible, you know, capable, even-keeled president that we've had for the past eight years that, you know, I already was appreciating and now I appreciate even more, you know. So why shouldn't he? Mm. Honestly, I don't, under, I, don't, I don't see why he shouldn't. Uh, uh, something about the recess, recess appointments. Um, for the past few years, the, uh, the Senate has passed um, resolutions and, and continuances, basically uh, stating that they are... In session. session, they're still in session for X amount of time. the The thing right now is Obama will have like a week, mm-hmm. d- technically, th- where he will be able to yeah, this appoint one ends everything. And the next one. Yeah, because they are the they Congress are dissolves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they are technically. But I know in my session guys though; they'll until. figure out a way to go right up to midnight. No, but they they, they, <laughs> yeah, they, but they, they can't, can't stay in session. Like like when your term ends, you cannot be in session anymore. Right, but the next people get appointed the next day, so they could s- technically keep it open to the night before. And right, but the the thing yeah. is, like until Congress actually opens. Yeah, and I think that's actually controlled by the vice president, because he's the head of the Senate. President of the Senate. President of the Senate. So. Yeah. I, I I think basically he's like nope Senate's not not meeting yet so Senate's not in session so, so Joe Biden's gonna well <laughs> I, I just Obama the I end think of his, uh, I think can do that you know so yeah. you know it's it's it'd be out of character for how he's behaved for the past eight years but it would certainly well think, also know, like I would welcome it as a change. Obama two to four to six years ago probably not. Mm-hmm. But as honestly as a lame duck president, he's gotten gutsier. Yeah, and he, he has. I think that's been why more he's... and more willing to. And especially given the fact that you know he's he's got to be looking at the in, you know the the specter of an incoming Trump administration oh, and and the end of I his mean, legacy in a way. Well, here's and here's the thing, Sue. You say you know you, you worry about that that kind of last minute thing putting a dent on your legacy. But it, here it's a gamble. Yeah. Because if he doesn't act, and this and Trump is a disaster, people will look at him like a James Buchanan, say, yeah. why didn't you do, do enough something. Yeah. to yeah. stop Anything. this, yeah. right? And I mean, I, I can see you use the power it going you both have. ways. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and also, putting in more, more federal judges is part of your legacy. I mean, that is a legacy right yeah. there. So. Yeah, like I said, the 30 names, I was, I was shocked. It was yeah. The <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a long list, and the, some of those yeah. vacancies have been there for years. And a lot of them haven't made it to committee. I mean, that's, those are the ones that actually have gotten through and are just sitting there and have yeah. been sitting there for months. And yeah. And um, Mitch McConnell wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Oh, talk about power plays. <laughs> so before we go to break in a couple of minutes, uh, Stefan, I was just wondering. So who's the uh, cabinet pick that's got you most hot and bothered? Mad well, Dog Mattis. <laughs> <laughs> Mattis is. I I do think Sessions is Jeff Sessions is worth. Um, and somebody's fighting at. him, right? Is it Elizabeth Warren who said yeah, she's Elizabeth, laid down the gauntlet? She and uh, among others, I think he is going. I'm thinking about the you know the the confirmation hearings and who you know which 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 people are most likely to get borked. Yep. Um, and I think Sessions is pretty high on the list. Also, specifically just because as well, the Democrats can't bork him now because they don't control the 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 Senate, but they can filibuster. They, well, yes, they can put up a. I mean, they can, you know, basically. 
mm-hmm. get you know make him the face of you know. But didn't they change the, the nuclear act? They they changed it somehow, so you can't. Was nope. that filibus- the gang of? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they, the Democrats changed. Was that the, specifically for judicial appointments, though, or was I was think that judicial? A broader I think Supreme Court's the only one that you can. If I got this backwards, I, I forget I, I which I way it is. This up. But this is this is important because you can look that up during the break. Yeah. But. The nuclear option was is more of a gentleman's deal um, in yeah. the in the Senate either way, so they could just ignore that. Yeah, yeah. the s- the Senate rules haven't changed, and unless the Senate actually votes specifically to change them, change their rules mm-hmm. at the start of their next session, uh, the, or the next Congress in in January, uh, the current rules of the Senate will will they continue. Did when they first got power, when the Democrats first got they, power, it they might a, have. Um, you think it was a handshake deal? No, it was a, it was a deal between the the two parties um, that one of them wouldn't do that. It, like that is off the table, and in return for that, um, you can have a up and down vote for for X, those I eight think. eight judges yeah. that they yeah it, it was they were they yeah, were changing it from a sixty, a yeah. 60 yeah. to a fifty plus one yeah. Yeah. so yeah. so that was the gang of fourteen gang yeah. of fourteen that, that so. So we've only got like about a minute before the break. But what about Jeff Sessions like bugs you? I think specifically because as attorney general, he is going to be coming in and having a notable effect on a lot of judicial policy that has been changing pretty rapidly. Not just oh, a, I mean marijuana. Marijuana. Yeah, he could go right back in and also grab immigration. That lens. Also, I mean, that is a potentially very activist yeah, immigration. Um, yeah, he could kill it. I don't yeah. know how much. Assuming he, you know, is appointed without any issues, I don't know how widely he'd be allowed to um, kind of, uh, you know, trample. But it could. I think also he may be a choice that could backfire if he makes the wrong move. Yeah, and if Especially he, if he rights kind stuff. of right. If he is seen as be as being um, an instrumental fe- of federal power that is imposing on states states rights, which I, with if George was here, I'm sure he'd uh, perk up his ears. But still, that is a, a you know the 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 imprimatur of states to have to make their own decisions has been kind of a bulwark of conservative thought. Mm-hmm. And that could really run counter to a lot of because he's very interventionist. Interventionist, exactly. Yeah, he thinks his opinion should. And that so that could be, I mean this could be a double edged sword. Well, thank for God it's not for the Supreme Court then. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean it could be worse, but yeah. I think I mean, and he has been staunchly retrograde. I think in yeah. and you know in terms of the national character. I mean, Alabama, blah blah blah. blah you can say a lot, but there are you know there are a lot of appointments on here that have a lot of issues i think he is one that could really get kind borked. of upset the apple cart yeah. could do a lot of damage well he didn't get a judgeship because he had said and right. done racist things and so. that was like 30 years ago in yes. the 80s and, I believe and he didn't re- apologize for it he and i believe <laughs> the republicans controlled the senate in 1986 didn't yeah. they i don't know we the answer see. to that but very interesting time very interesting i mean yeah. we were all worried about steve bannon and so on and so forth, and here we are. <laughs> I, I don't think we're wrong to be worried about him, but <laughs> just, there's so much more. But is, anyway, um, John, we're going to play the Noah. Uh, well, it is time for us to, to take a short break, but uh, before we go to break, there is a little clip from the Daily Show that sort of nicely encompasses sort of our uh, our feelings, and I think the sort of the general problem with a number of these cabinet picks. So, John, whenever we're ready, we'll take it away. Then we'll go to break, and we'll play some PSAs and other announcements, and then we'll be back in a few minutes after that with more civil politics. 
ultimate troll because you realize almost every single person he's picked for his cabinet wants to destroy the thing that they've been put in charge of. <laughs> the head of the Environmental Protection Agency doesn't believe the environment should be protected. <laughs> his secretary of labor is opposed to workers' rights. And for National Security Advisor, a job that is all about assessing intelligence, for that job, Trump chose a man who has repeatedly fallen for conspiracy theories and hoaxes. How does this happen? It's almost like before Trump hires anyone, he Googles opposite of, and then he just gets that person. They're like, F it, why don't we all just live in this world? We do the same thing. Homeland Security, let's get Bin Laden in. Let's just do it. Yeah. Oh, protector of Gotham, the Joker. Let's do it. Communications director, Hodor. What's he saying? I don't know. Secretary of Energy, Ben Carson. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musik Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. I don't believe in guns. I just don't have a gun. <laughs> the Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. This is Professor Howard Zinn. The independent, non-commercial radio station you're listening to is really important in the maintenance of democracy. Thomas Jefferson once said, an informed democracy will behave in a reasonable manner. So if you care about being informed, if you care about democracy, if you're a reasonable person, you are, of course. Please support your source for uncensored news and views and the voice of your community. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Tune in to Subculture, the best in new wave, electro, dance, indie pop, and funk music. Friday nights from 8 to 10 here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJ 103.3 FM. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow, and yes, I still really like that ad for, for Subculture, the show that comes up after us. I think it's really catchy. Anyway, uh, I'm here with Stefan Ward-Wheaton and uh, Susan Timberlake. Hey there. And Hello. John Roberts, our Hi. head... <laughs> Head shaking, sound engineer, wishing to God he thought to long, cut my mic. Long suffering. Long <laughs> suffering. <laughs> uh, to think you volunteer to do this, John. Yes, indeed. <laughs> You're the, a better man than I am. La vita dolorosa. I think, I think that's true. I am a better man than you. <laughs> I'm much better at doing it than you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Got equipment and everything. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> that's genres. I think that's going to be genres' yes. tagline from now yeah. on. <laughs> well, in a literal sense, I suppose he is right. <laughs> I suppose he is. But um, you'll never know. But so. I make the tagline, so you can't really. Oh, that's oh. right. Oh. Well, hey, you said you like people who know how to use power. <laughs> <laughs> I note that there are MP3s on our website. So <laughs> if any enterprising uh, unless it clips it out before we to, uh, <laughs> submit their clips, maybe just keep talking so there's no place to cut it. Snip, snip, snip. <laughs> so snippety snip. Speaking of twenty missing minutes, <laughs> film <laughs> tape all over the floor. Actually, it's not twenty minutes. It's what is it? Nineteen minutes and thirty-eight seconds long. Something uh, like that. I, I round the. the <laughs> The, what the exact length of Alice's restaurant? Oh, <laughs> you remember that? Oh <laughs> yes, yes. That was some song. Yeah, that was so perfect for the times, and I remember. <laughs> I, I like that song. I should listen Suvians. to it again. Yeah. So, um, before we get back into talking about politics, I do want to mention again that uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and we were just talking during the break, so uh, uh, if we could hear, hear from you on Twitter, at CivilPoliticsFM, or CivilPoliticsRadio at ValleyFreeRadio.org for our email. Um, we were sort of talking about uh, maybe trying to start a, a Twitter campaign, and we're not sure exactly what the hashtag would be, but the idea would be to uh, urge our president-elect, who likes to communicate so often on Twitter, uh, to actually explain himself, to explain the logic behind decisions that he's making. What he's thinking? Yes, <laughs> what he's thinking. Because if he's going to uh, uh, talk to the world so directly, it would be good if he actually uh, talked about uh, you know the reasons, w- what his policy plans are and, and how he plans to do them. I'm not sure exactly what that hashtag would be. Make Trump explain, perhaps, something? Um, any of our listeners have perhaps a clever idea like, God knows we're not going to come up with one, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to crowdsource this one. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, by all means, share those with us. Have them, ha- if anybody is listening uh, and can send them in, we can read them through the week and talk about it next week. Yep. Absolutely. As long as they're not too rude. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it safe for air, people. <laughs> As Trump to expose it all or something. Right. <laughs> if you swear, don't swear in English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so. Um, oh, yeah. Minimum wage. That's another well, one. Well, that's, that's, that's another thing. So, right. So, uh, we have been talking about a number of sort of poor choices for Trump's cabinet. One of them, another one, is Andrew Puzder, who apparently is the CEO of the of Carl's Jr., Hardee's, and other uh, fast food places. Uh, and he uh, opposes any kind of increase in the minimum wage, uh, really any kind of improvement in, in workers' rights. And as John Moore was, was remarking, that means as head of the sec- uh, Secretary of Labor, he would ultimately be overseeing things like the Office of uh, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA. Um, so, uh, great. <laughs> right. And his, his, and, and he, uh, Mr. Puzder has gone on record as saying that he really would prefer to hire robots to deal with customers at his restaurants because they don't complain. They don't call in sick. Isn't that what carriers They doing? don't have a slip and fall. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what carrier is going to do. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, I understand the, the logic of moving to robots. It's not that necessarily moving to robots is a bad idea, but I keep trying to do that for my vacuuming, but, hmm. oh, well. Spraying the cat with end dust just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Roombas are so rebellious. <laughs> My dogs would attack it. But p- part of the, uh, well, all right. So just thinking about this as someone who uh, uh, owns a, a small business and thinking about how we uh, 
how we pay people and how our society distributes its wealth, it just strikes me that one of the things that we've sort of have fundamentally done is we have this sort of assumption that uh, full-time labor means 40 hours a week and that people, that workers get paid by the hour or they get paid a salary to sort of cover things. But like a lot of your frontline workers in, in a lot of your basic jobs get paid an hourly wage. And the idea is like if you work 40 hours, you should make enough money to at least cover your basic expenses. And we know that's not true. And businesses don't agree with that. They like to have people at 20 or 22 so they don't hit the 24-hour mark where benefits are kicked in. By right, because there are other benefits that, that, that yeah. accrue as well. Yeah. So a lot of big corporations, actually, that's how they get around benefits. Right. They or just they, have lots of part-timers. Or they have quote-unquote, independent contractors, who they treat like employees in pretty much every respect. I've always wondered why there's so many um, personnel agencies here in Western Mass. It just seems like they couldn't possibly be supported by the few number of jobs. And I think they, you know, I don't think they're necessary, but that certainly has grown. Uh, Most of... Most of the colleges use um, temp, temp agencies for their lower positions, yep. and then uh, and then hire from from those. But uh, usually, that's that's why there are so many temp agencies because there are so many businesses that also that hire students or transitory people. Yeah. Um, but, but that puts a I margin on the, their labor costs. Oh yeah, yeah. But they can get rid of anybody anytime. Yeah, without any due process. Not, not, right. not just because we're an at will state. Uh, it's also because you're a temp, and mm. we don't. We're gonna cancel your your need right now. And there aren't that many agencies in Boston, so I was shocked when I moved out here to see well. all the people that stand between you and a job. And of course, <laughs> yeah. fam- colleges that are famous for their liberalism, nevertheless, are more than happy to uh, screw their workers. Mm-hmm. Hampshire College uh, was a example a few years ago. They were trying uh, to bust their unions. Harvard was uh, Harvard, demonstrated yeah. with when they had the. Uh, and props to um, you don't get a fifty billion dollar endowment by you know paying your workers properly, right? Right, right. especially your Amherst College, Amherst College. But Harvard's Am- all Am- union. All the all the administrative staff, all those shout out to are Stacey. union now. All the admin staff were, but the the service employees were um, not, and they attempted to, and they SEIU. were pushed back. And shout out to a lot of Harvard students who came out and picketed on the line with them, and I. And they are now, um, I believe, the culinary staff at least, and I think some of the like janitorial and general service staff are now union. Yeah. So, um, but it is—it's increasingly an issue. I think Columbia is now currently undergoing. Columbia University in New York is currently undergoing a unionization effort mm-hmm. as well. If, if anyone wants to look at so that. So, isn't that a little so. hypocritical? Of whom? <laughs> I mean, probably. Yeah. Well, and but, it's but interesting. who are you talking cause, about? Because <laughs> you're, you're a liberal Democrat, and I yet am. you're concerned about your business and the margin from yeah. minimum well, wage. So, so yeah. minimum wage here in Massachusetts is going up 10% from $10 an hour to $11 an hour. And actually, it's going to be a bit more than that because there's taxes to go with that yep. and stuff like that. And Payroll it's gone taxes. up from 8 So that's yeah. actually a 30% increase in the last three years. Right. So That's pretty that's, hefty. That is a hefty <laughs> increase. And uh, sales at my business haven't increased by 30%. They have not. <laughs> In fact, they're probably flat. This environment's kind of been, you know, um, slightly up. The nerdo American community really likes its stuff. So, oh, like, well, like, our sorry. sales have been strong. But, <laughs> yep. but they haven't increased any. confirm. Yeah. <laughs> but the sales have. And, and uh, I like to think that uh, we run a good business. You know, yeah. I, I, I honestly. Uh, the store's called Modern Myths. Can I, also confirm. I think mm-hmm. we do a great job. 
but you know people can can disagree and that's fine i just you and know. you said the some of the big box stores are starting to give you take some of yeah, your absolutely. products some of the because uh, one of the things we sell is board games you know especially european style board games like settlers of Catan and ticket to ride and all these other things and a lot of them are increasingly carcassonne for the win carcassonne yeah great game <laughs> uh interesting place to go too by the way um especially if you're interested in in the history of the albigensian crusade which oh, <coughs> yes. i'm totally not um <laughs> So it's really, seriously, the real place is kind of like some kind of medieval Disneyland theme park kind of thing. It's really strange. Huh. I'll put it on my bucket list. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's worth it. Uh, the south of France. And then empty your bucket list? No. <laughs> Believe it or not, the south of France. <laughs> and under the street from yeah. the second floor, just like they used to do yes, in indeed. medieval times. Well, believe it or not, the south of France is gorgeous. Who knew? Um so, uh, but that's an interesting position right, because right. a lot of liberals right. will argue. Well, this is so. I'm not going to go into a lot of details about how my company operates because nope. I don't want the other people who own the company and help and help to run it get to get angry at me. But it is a concern that we've had because uh, the the ultimate logic behind raising the minimum wage, uh, as as we liberals believe, uh, and and the as far as and I know, studies the, have proven right. Um, and, and, and you're Republican. You're saying, like, no, eh, the studies on the whole back this up. Like, yeah. the idea is, like, the rising tide lifts all boats. If everybody's making more money, then people spend their money. Yeah. And so the idea is, yeah, ultimately we'll have more customers. They will buy more stuff, and that will, that will even out. But in that transition period, especially after this deep recession we've had, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have significant debt that they're trying to manage um, – They'll be paying that off before. Oh, yeah, before Probably. they spend. I it. mean, you know, certainly, I don't think uh, it, it. I don't. I don't think it'll be a while before we see like a thirty percent growth. You know, like we're talking like a jump in sales of you know thirty, forty thousand dollars kind of thing. Over you the know. over four or five years or three or right. Five well, years. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, when, uh, like to see an increase of sales of, of you know forty thousand dollars a year is a lot. <laughs> Especially when a lot of what you're selling is comic books for $4 a pop, yeah. you know, or packs of Magic the Gathering cards for $4 a pop, or a set of dice for 10 bucks. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's certainly doable. <laughs> Seven polyhedral dice in multiple colors for, for 10 bucks, it's a good price. Like speckled or something, or yeah. basic? So, speckled, yeah. Oh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this has been your nerd interlude of the hour. Right. <laughs> uh, Interlude? What do you mean interlude? (laughs) (laughs) That's all we ever did. Okay, sorry, turbo nerd interlude. (laughs) Well, and the restaurant businesses are the worst of the worst. I mean, they're the ones. Can confirm. I've I've waited tables at a Friendly's in Hadley for three years. So, yeah, I'm well aware. And you paid like three bucks an hour. It was $2.25. That was was years ago. It's probably, I hope it's it's $2.83 now. Oh, that much? I I know it's close to three, but then you're supposed to get tips and all that. But the the restaurants have been. Spoiler alert, not really. Have been at the forefront of sort of trying to keep Mm -hmm. that, that in its place, just. Like they also have strong feelings about how much parking costs and whether you get tickets when you park in front of their business. And I mean, that's what businesses do. They basically lobby to, to keep their margins and to, you know, keep right. going and be and, and, and I'm concern. all in favor of that. But yeah. one of the discussions that uh, I and other shareholders have had is at what point do we say, like, obviously, if our company is losing money, at some point we go out of business. Like, that's just basic math. So here's but, a, but the question is, like, we have sort of like a rough formula for like how much we want to how much of our total revenue we want to devote to labor costs and what happens if we're like well it's got to go up to more than that like yeah. like at what point can we accept this at what point do we want to live on our principles and and hope that things 
you know, eventually the rising tide will catch up to us. Well, let me make a, a strange argument coming from a Republican. But if you can't afford to pay people a decent wage, should you be in that business, regardless of your margins? Yeah, that's that's something we really struggle with. Yeah. Well, and we're thinking maybe not. And we, we're th- that's really sad because I, I think there's a I think it's great to have a, sh- a store that sells comics and games like we do. But it's yeah. it's all luxury arts, art and luxury supplies. You know, it's like hobby, hobby stuff and art. That's what we sell. And those things are great. They make life joyful, but nobody needs them. It's not like lettuce. Food, or, or housing, yeah, right. clothing. <laughs> exactly. It's not like a warm pair of shoes or a steak sandwich, you know? Well, and also labor costs end up kind of functioning as sort of a regressive tax on businesses because yep. much like a flat tax. Like payroll taxes. Like we pay, ta- we pay a right. tax to the government for every employee we have, which means, of course, we want to have fewer employees because we are being taxed on everyone we have. Which right. sucks. Exactly. But, uh, you know. Talk um, about job killing taxes. That's the, the big <laughs> box stores are much better equipped to ha- absorb those rising costs than small businesses are. So, it, you know, it ends up weeding, it ends up disproportionately affecting the, the kinds mom and of, pop. Yeah. And those are the businesses that, that are, you know, always being touted as the ones you want to keep around. Because and Sue, you make a I good like to point. Think we are is well, that, so the, the like, diversity of what you can find on the well, street in Northampton, for example. Well, exactly. But that's the problem: is that um, when you apply that standard, and then there's not a differentiation based on a business's ability to to sort of front those costs, then you lose that aspect. And basically, you're going to end up with a bunch of market homogenization because the biggest and most profitable. Um, vendors are going to end up, you know, just outliving the competition. I mean, that's 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 functionally what Ma- Walmart does on the demand side. Yeah, uh, it's but our biggest competitor is Amazon. You know, just right. like because if you want to buy oh, like the internet, a, that's the equivalent. You know, if you yeah. want to get like a, a board game or a D and D book or a graphic novel or whatever, you can get it from you can get it from Amazon, and Amazon can definitely always undercut us on price. Just they can't. You know, they don't offer any kind of experience right. of like going into a store and meeting your fellow nerdo Americans and and all the other things that we offer. But if you just want a box with your your comic or your or your game in it, you know, the internet's going to beat us every time. And if you care about labor rights, uh, read up on what it's like to be a warehouse worker for Amazon. Because oh yeah, especially the pat down after they check them after after uh, on time that th- that they are not paid for, but they are right. inspected to make sure they're not stealing from the company. And that's that's the least of it. I but mean, like like they're working in a diamond mine, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it ends up being a race to the bottom. Yeah, it ways. is a race. And to it, the like bottom. I'm, I'm somebody who you know strongly believes in, in having livable wages. But it it, and it's. I think the X factor too is that, as, um, you know this this fellow has a point, even though I think he's Andrew Putzer. Mr. Putzer is, uh, is that we are an increasingly mechanized society. Um, and what does that mean as our population and our employable adult population, especially, it continues to grow, but the number of jobs and the number of jobs that pay that you know pay a livable wage and that you can raise a family on stays either static or actually may decrease as yeah. that you know. And and this is you know, we can talk about this further, but that that's where you have proposals like universal basic income yeah. or these sort of um, you know redistributive measures that. 
end up based- or you change the definition of what a full-time job is it's right. like now a full-time job is 20 hours a week and you go like well wait a minute that's crazy that means you need to hire more people and it's like yes but the point is you're redistributing wealth that way because you're basically saying like the wealth of our whole economy is now being channeled to people through they get what we were paying them 40 hours to do (laughs) in a sense but it's basically saying like the money that you were you'd have to work 40 hours to get before now you can get in only 20 hours and basically you know uh if that's true for everybody then you know the rising tide effect can still happen but it it means that well and it means that one of okay so i've mentioned this on the show from time to time i come from an, an affluent family a wealthy family not super wealthy. We can't keep up with the Kardashians even for like a week. But um, but it's a wealthy family. And one of the big advantages I have over everybody else I know uh, is time. You know? Like, I don't, I don't have to, like, spend hours going around hunting for the best bargains at the supermarket like people I know who are trying to stretch every penny. I just go like, oh, I'll go over to the, the Big E's in East Hampton and I'll just get everything I want and put it in the cart and go. Saves a lot of time. You know? Like, I can afford... I can spend more money to sp- to save to have more time. And that's one of the big advantages of having wealth. So if we say like okay, full-time labor is now 20 hours a week, that's giving everybody the time that comes with wealth. That's basically like a massive redistribution of the wealth time equation to everybody. But we're a capitalist society, and I just wanted well, to know Capitalism is just all about a free market within rules. We just change the rules. Uh well, you there's a lot about risk and reward and who has responsibility and all that. But I just wanted to mention that we keep talking about the better employment numbers and the better uh, economy. And the real issue for me is that, in fact, I think our workforce, the people that are actually in the workforce, is less than, I think, in 2007. That even though there's been job growth, there's been new people coming into the market. And so the population when has grown. Yeah, and so when you look at it, there's... You know, there's a there's a mismatch there, and part of it is this automation, and part of it is that you know there are a lot of businesses. I was in a business the other day that usually gets some stuff left over from businesses that closed, and they don't mm. have the merchandise they had five six years ago. And I think it's because, you know, a lot of the businesses have already gone, and the in in the right. inventory has already been sucked up by the the you know the population and so we're getting to a point where you know there's not a lot of diversity when you go to buy something there used to be three different brands and five different kinds and and you're starting to see some of the warehouse companies limiting what they stock and limiting what they will oh, deliver i mean it's it's a it's a shrinking process and if you're in in in, in any industry you'll see that you'll see that a comic book company's gone yeah. out of business or they don't yeah. offer this anymore. It's certainly a rebuke to the whole idea of our, us moving into a post-scarcity society, which is what I remember people talking about uh, only a few years ago. Yeah. And one of the things they talked about that was there would be a a long tail. So like you can stock a whole bunch of things that don't sell a ton, you don't sell a ton of because you still make a lot of money off of all of them, you know, especially when you sell them in aggregate. But, you know, yeah. why stock a whole lot of stuff if it's not you know. Well, I think we're just not going to grow out of this. Everybody wants Trump to do that, but I think that that to some degree there are finite resources, mm. and that we there do are, yeah. we do need to be careful 
with what we're doing. And the amount of growth that we have has to be smart growth because we're just going to burn, you know, burn through the atmosphere. I mean, we're just literally, literally <laughs> burn through the atmosphere. And so a lot of what people are hoping is that Trump is going to unleash, you know, kill government, unleash the powers of the market. It's going to be huge. And it's going to be great for everybody. And I'm looking at it going, well, I'm not so sure. I Yeah. And, I share and your you're the Republican. And I'm <laughs> the Republican. You know. I'm the Republican. So. Well. Oh, gosh, it's been a cheery hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 you know, externalities matter, I guess, in, in economic terms. Externalities like breathable air. Oh, crap, you're right. It has been an hour, and we are pretty much at a point where I have to end the show. <laughs> Sorry, I totally lost Good track night, of time. Good night, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. that's it for me forever. <laughs> <laughs> so was that hashtag? Yes. <laughs> hashtag yes, get a was. new host. <laughs> but um I should make civil politics great again. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it it was great before. <laughs> George just signed on for that. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we should indeed wrap up tonight. Uh, this has been Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. Coming up next is a great two-hour music show with a mix of uh, uh, pop, dance, indie, electro, electronica, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff uh, called Subculture, which is a great show. I think you'll like it. My brother used to love it. Um, and we'll be back with more politics next week here on Valley Free Radio. So I uh, hope you'll join us then. Good night. <laughs>